You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to another episode of the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. You can already tell I'm sighing at the be- at the beginning intro, John. Um, long week already as the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, they, they had the last game of week four, if you even want to call it a game. The Bengals took, uh, took quite the beating from the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday Night Football. Not quite what a lot of people expected, but... It is what it is. We will talk about that from a number of different angles as well as some other topics going forward. First, I got to check in with you, John. How, how are you, John Sheeran? Um, that was that was not a fun one to watch. Uh, I, I have a group chat of me and three of my friends. Two of them are Bengals fans. One of them is a Browns fan. And, you know, whenever the Bengals and Steelers play, the Browns, Browns fan always reaches the Bengals and whatnot. I just remember, like, I think texting – late in the first quarter something like that i was like one of these teams look like they're not used to playing well in the primetime game and i was referring to the steelers and i was honestly just there was there was just a point in this game where i'm thinking maybe you know this is going to turn out a little bit different than i'm thinking and then yeah the old Bengals kind of showed up so uh, once that once that really settled in it was just kind of just a, a laughing matter in my in my expense and really it was just it's not anything new, man. It really isn't. And I guess this was a game that a lot of us thought was going to tell if something, if things have really changed. And as we could see, not much has changed. Or maybe they have changed, and maybe they've changed for the worse. That's that's kind of my my thought. We'll talk about the Steelers game and what that rivalry, quote-unquote rivalry, looks like at this point in time. Some of the things we saw in that game, as well as... Yeah, we got to talk a little bit of quarterback stuff, so we will talk about that. There's also quite a bit of news and notes in terms of injuries and everything coming up with the Bengals. What does that mean for the team going forward? Is this team looking like they're in tank mode based on who they're placing on IR and all of that? We'll talk a little bit about that. We will also preview week five with former NFL tight end and current uh, Cardinals pod- podcaster for the Believe Cardinals Network, Ed Smith. He was part of the Dirty Birds back in the late 90s with the Atlanta Falcons and um, excited about that. John John uh, arranged that interview. for. So we're excited to talk about, talk to him, talk about the Cardinals again, not a team that we see very often from the Bengals side of the fence. And they are currently experiencing a new head coach with a number one overall draft pick and Kyler Murray at quarterback. So that's going to be an interesting conversation with with Ed Smith. And we're going to try and lighten the mood maybe at the end of the episode. So uh, stick with us for that. We want to get to listener questions. I, I know a lot of people got a lot of things on their mind. I, we've received a ton of texts this week, John. I've received some emails this week. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. Because of the volume of what we have to talk about, 
and we want to get to as many of those as possible. We are going to do a listener questions episode this Friday afternoon, evening. So uh, join us as you usually do on our YouTube channel and on cincyjungle.com as well as cincyjungle.com's Facebook page. We, we do the simultaneous streaming now. So we're going to do that at the end of the week also to kind of tee off your, your football weekend. So we wish we could get them all into uh, one episode, but uh, there are a lot of comments, a lot of questions, and frankly, it's just kind of too much to, to put in at the end of an episode. So we want to make a standalone episode for that, and we will be bringing that to you Friday afternoon, Friday evening, and uh, we hope you can join us. So, John, as we kind of teased at the at the beginning here, um, not a good showing by the Bengals, and I kind of felt that this this game was a little bit doomed, even after a positive play. I felt that this game was was a bit doomed for Cincinnati when they got that fumble recovery deep into Pittsburgh territory and they couldn't punch it in. You have your best red zone guy and Tyler Eifert. Difficult catch, but a makeable one. Probably the best throw, really, Andy Dalton threw all night. Went right through Tyler Eifert's hands, a catch he should have made. And that to me kind of, yeah, the Bengals got three points, but that to me kind of symbolized, you know what, this team is not ready to play. This team is not capitalizing on opportunities that a struggling team needs to do in order to right the ship. And unfortunately, it turned into a similar script where the Steelers ran all over the Bengals. I think if you really want to encapsulate the game, John, there was a play by James Conner where he ran through many tackles of the Cincinnati Bengals and stepped on, stepped on the head of Andrew Billings as he was running through a crowd of Bengals defenders. Andrew Billings is arguably the biggest guy on the Bengals team. And he got, he got basically pancaked and stomped on by the running back. If that doesn't scream Steelers over Bengals, I don't know what does. Yeah, that was definitely a point of, of recognition right there because after that, after that failed red zone trip where they got three points, which was essentially an L for the offense. If you have the ball inside the 20 to start off and you end up, you end up with only three, uh, the Steelers then came out in a lot of, I think they went wildcat. I think twice on the ensuing drive, and I'm thinking, okay, this is this is a wrinkle. And you and my thought was right then, okay, yeah, the Steelers are definitely scared of Mason Rudolph right now, and th- that's an advantage that the Bengals could have exploited. And from then on, the pass rush for the Bengals was non-existent, and it wasn't like last week against the Bills where they pressured Josh Allen and they just got gas as the game went on. They just they, they had minimal impact on the game and. The, the Steelers, you know, stretched them out horizontally, just like the 49ers did a couple weeks ago. Only this time it was, it was in a different flair where they had either Jalen uh, Samuels or James Conner as the quarterback. And they just had a bunch of jet sweeps and end arounds and all, and all this other stuff. And it didn't work initially. The, the, the defense kind of caught on to it, but it was, it was a good, it was good game plan by the Steelers because eventually as the game went on, it worked and the Bengals just could not counter offensively at all. And that three and out of the red zone was just the start of the total ineptitude that we saw and the one successful drive that they had in the, in that first half beyond just the first drive that um, unfortunately ended up in a punt it ended up in a strip sack because Andre Smith got completely obliterated off the edge by Bud Dupree of all people who can't beat anybody in this, in this league, unless you're Andre Smith playing left tackle. So yeah, it was, it was the Steelers coming out with a perfect game plan that eventually as the game went on worked, worked perfectly. And I think James Conner had almost a hundred yards by, by halftime and Jalen, Jalen Samuels had, almost 100 yards as well and Mason Rudolph just had to do nothing but just throw a couple you know five-yard passes here, here and there and they just kept the ball moving and it was a complete and total ineptitude on all three phases of, of that team and you have to wonder is this a question of 
what were they just not mentally prepared once again in a primetime situation or is this just them just being bad all throughout the roster and honestly i think it's more of the latter than the former you provided two good segues to the next two topics we're going to talk about and uh in this loss the the coaching has to be called into question a bit um you know you you mentioned I saw someone in the live Facebook feed there. I think it was our, our friend Dalton there saying, um, the, you know, uh, accountability is being talked a lot about by these coaches, by this team. You know, I, I find it last week, it's kind of a tale of two different things. Last week, we were all over Dalton for making some bad throws. We'll talk about him in just a second. Last week, we were kind of, you know, first half, the coaching wasn't so great, but the Bengals rallied late. They made some plays. They did some things. So we kind of gave a little, we were a little easier on the coaching staff. To me, this week, between the offensive line coach, between the defensive coordinator dropping Andrew Billings and Sam Hubbard into zone coverages a handful of times, between Zach Taylor giving this impassioned speech at the end of the, after the Bills game saying, we're so close, we're so close, we're so close, and the team's response is to get absolutely embarrassed i have to wonder if this these this staff is completely over its skis right now um i mean uh, zach taylor looked rattled last last monday he looked absolutely rattled he's a young guy he's a first-time head coach uh you know he's he's been an assistant in the league but first-time head coach biggest game always on the Bengals docket and on the biggest stage, their lone primetime game, yet again, they fail. You bring up an interesting point about the primetime, you know, is this just, were, were they just not prepared? I, to me, I think it's talent, and I think it's a lack of preparation, and I think I think coaching has a lot to do with what we saw in that 27-3 result. Right, and... Like, I, I know people are going to talk about the offensive line, and the offensive line was completely abysmal. Like, I had to watch all that today for a film review, and it was just – I wanted to gag myself by the end of the second quarter. Right. But, like, we, we've we've seen other teams, well-coached teams, work around weaknesses on their own roster. People forget that the Philadelphia Eagles want to beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl without their starting left tackle and starting quarterback. The, pa- the Steelers are now in three weeks into having their backup quarterback play, and honestly, their offensive line is, has regressed a little bit from last year because they lost their offensive line coach. That wasn't the problem in this game. Like They completely had a game plan to completely work around the, the weaknesses of their own quarterback and of their offensive line and the lack of weapons that he has to throw with, and they just ran train on the Bengals for the entire last three quarters of that game, and it was just so simple, and it's not anything new if you're familiar with how the Steelers prepare themselves in primetime situations, not against the Patriots, and specifically against the Bengals. The Bengals haven't beaten the Steelers since 2015. They've lost to the Bengals now three, only three times in this decade. The Bengals have one more chance to not be, you know, completely under 500 in the in the 2010s in the Marvin Lewis in what most was mostly the Marvin Lewis era. This isn't anything new, unfortunately. And yeah, the Steelers had weaknesses that the Bengals could have exploited, but we talked about, you know, the strengths of both of these teams were on the was on the defensive line. One of the defensive lines completely shut down an offensive line. One of the defensive lines was completely, you know, disappeared, you know, invisible in this game. And that was honestly the difference. It's also that was definitely the difference. The di- the difference also, and you can attribute this to the offensive line most definitely. The difference was in the tale of two quarterbacks, Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph missed four passes, four the entire night. He was twenty four of twenty eight, two touchdowns. And was he throwing deep ball dimes? Was he throwing no? No, it was a dunk thing. 
and all they all and this is always what the Steelers say after they win. This is what the Ravens say after they beat the Bengals. You got to let the Bengals be the Bengals. And unfortunately, in years that they are down, like a year like this, they will say, "Hey, tackle us. Just do something simple. Tackle us and stop us." That, that's it. And the Bengals could not do that. They could not tackle. I can't even tell you how many missed tackles I counted that night. I, I lost count. There were so many missed tackles, handfuls of tackles on on a single run play that were that were missed. One on one, you're in. You know, sometimes you're not even really in a big space. You've kind of got the guy trapped towards the the sideline a bit, and you still miss the tackle. They extend the play to get a first down. It's maddening. That to me is effort. That to me is coaching. Yes, it's also t- a lack of talent. But at the NFL level, guys can tackle. I mean, that that's that should be a given. Um, and this team is showing shades. You may be a bit younger, John, to remember some of these, but this to me looked a lot like 2001, 2002. This looked a lot like 90, 98, 99. Uh, this, this was an inept performance by this team from top to bottom. And I, you met, you said it very well when you said that all three phases failed. Now talking about, uh, we're going to get, I'm going to play an audio clip in just a minute. Um, and I'll, I'll set that up in just a second. But before I do, let's talk about quarterback play. I, I mentioned Mason Rudolph missed four passes, whereas Andy Dalton is a broken man. He is a broken man. He looks visibly upset. You saw him throw his helmet on the sideline. His face is showing massive amounts of frustration. He was sacked eight times. And now, John, as we sort of touched on last week, he is developing bad habits, and I think it's d- directly correlating with this offensive line play. The head down, not looking to extend to play after breaking pressure, the lack of velocity on throws because he can't step into throws because he doesn't have time, or he is hearing pressure that is not there. There are a myriad of issues with Andy Dalton right now, some of which are of his own doing and some of which are being caused a domino effect, if you will, from the offensive line. It's, I mean, people want to talk about David Carr effect and this is honestly what it is. Um, Like it it started in 2016 when an offensive line first started, you know, teetering on the, on the verge of of collapsing. And then 2017 is when everything combusted and uh, PFF Cincinnati's uh, Evan McPhillips, I think is his name. He like runs the PFF Cincinnati account. He pulled up um, adjusted completion percentage and pass rating in a clean pocket since 2017, 2017, 2018, 2000, and now 2019, Dolan has been a bottom five quarterback from a clean pocket. Now we're talking about this guy can't operate without a good offensive line. Even when he does have time, he's just not the quarterback that he was in 2015 and 2016. And that's honestly just like you said, it's a mental thing. It's him just developing bad habits because he's basically his mental, you know, capacity to, as, as his internal clock, his pocket presence, it's it's all it's all regressing to an even worse point where it was before all this happening. Like he was never a great pocket manipulator, you know, even in his young days. But he was much better than he was now. Now it's just completely in a, inaccurate, and bad decision making, and just not, nothing that is worthy of sustaining a, a, a solid offense in the NFL. Even without you know your best pass catcher in AJ Green, now you have an offense that is without AJ Green, that is without a player that we're going to talk about in a couple minutes. You're preserving Tyler Eifert because you're scared he's going to get injured. You don't have a lot of viable pass catchers outside Tyler Boyd, and you don't have a lot of athletic pass catchers who can get separation really quickly, and you have an offensive line that can't protect for more than two seconds. So when you're forced to have a quarterback standing in the pocket for more than two and a half seconds, and he doesn't 
trust his protection and you're not having receivers open, then it comes down to, okay, how can we as, as play callers, as scheme makers, develop a scheme that can get the ball out quickly, even, even if the talent isn't there? And that's honestly on Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan. And I appreciate Taylor having some accountability earlier earlier this week saying the, the bad play calling was kind of on me. I didn't do as good of a job. Well, they have to see results if they wanted this offense to move any anywhere fast with all these injuries that they're dealing with. Yeah, Nathaniel on the live YouTube chat says he's Kitna. Just say it. No, I'm not going to say it because he's not Kitna. This is a two-way street. Dalton is not living up to some of his ends of the bargain. And the team, we said we said this last week. I said this in reaction posts. The team has not lived up to their end of the bargain in terms of propping up Andy Dalton, as they said that that was their game plan with him all along. They they failed on the offensive line. They let critical players leave, both on the offensive line. You can even look back. Nobody really talks about this as much as the offensive line, but he had a great rapport with Marvin Jones and Muhammad Sanu that were good supplemental players to A.J. Green. That trio was was a nice trio. They let both of those guys leave. And granted, they got Tyler Boyd, who took a couple of years to develop, but they got him, and they've got a bunch of eh uh, besides that, especially when A.J. Green is out. So, um, you know, it, it, that's a two-way street to me. And uh, Andy Dalton has proven he can win in this league, but he's proven he can win in this league when there is talent and there is protection. And that's not happening right now. And now what you're seeing are the development of some bad habits. I I guess we'll, before we move on to some further and a different avenue of the quarterback conversation, John, I want to say this. How much did this as a, as a fan, as a, I mean, how much did this one hurt your psyche uh, in terms of, you know, where is this team headed? Is this staff the right staff? And, you know, they've been the Steelers whipping boys for a long time. This was a chance at least temporarily to turn things around and make people feel pretty good about the direction of this team, especially in that quote unquote rivalry. And they got embarrassed. I mean, it depends on what your psyche was going into this one. For me personally, my psyche's damaged goods ever since the 2016 playoff game by the hands of the Steelers. So the Steelers beating the Bengals, embarrassing or not, in primetime or not, is nothing new to me. And it, it, they, they can't hurt me any more than they already did. Granted, it was on my own accord, but still the point remains. Um, no, it like I didn't think that they were a good team going into this game. I know people had hope because two of the three of their losses were by, by a combined five points. They were dealing with a lot of injuries and certain aspects of of their team were were close to getting there, but just not there. They're they're just not a good team. And they were completely outcoached and out-schemed by a team that constantly beats them. And it it just won't get any better until it does. Yep. So... There, there's a lot to lot to talk about here. Uh, we're getting a we're getting a call right now. Unfortunately, don't call him right now. Don't call him right now. <laughs> yeah, we've we've got it. We've got someone calling in. Uh, uh, we've got a, a special guest calling in, so we can't get to that call, unfortunately. So um, we will try and get back to you at. Uh, we'll we'll try and get get to calls later in the show uh, if we're able. Otherwise, we're gonna have to try and save those for. Uh, a listener question um, special episode, as I mentioned at the top of the uh, at the top of the show here. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on surprise, the future of work. 
questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking. From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. So here's here's the thing. Uh, here's the thing, John. Um, there are a... There are a number of talking heads now pointing at the the, the quarterback position of the bang, of the Bengals moving on. Obviously, Andy Dalton did not look good on Monday Night Football. The Bengals are poised to have a top pick in a quarterback heavy draft. So um, I wanted to play this clip. I don't know if you've listened to it or heard it yet. I and had actually. I, I, okay, I wanted. I have to preface this that this is a clip from profootballtalk.com with Mike Florio and Peter King, two notorious guys who dog the Bengals, especially Peter King. Uh, I have not been, and I would tell him this if we ever have him on the show. I'd love to have him on the show, but I have not been a, I've been a fan of Peter King's career. I respect the hell out of what he's done with him, with his sports writing career and and what he's, what he's done uh, as being a household name. But um, you know, I don't always like how he has portrayed the Bengals and it goes back to his days with covering the team as the beat writer, but I've kind of, you know, I always kind of said, Oh, maybe the team just didn't treat him well. So he has a bone to pick there. But I also now I'm starting to kind of realize maybe he saw quite a few inner workings when he's there. And, you know, he, he understands the many shortcomings of ownership. So there was a point today where they were talking, this is going to be a couple minutes here. So bear with us. I'm going to try and shorten it as much as possible, but it's Mike Florio and Peter King talking and Peter King brings up an interesting point in terms of the Bengals potentially drafting a quarterback in a quandary they could be looking at picking a quarterback at the top of next year's draft. was when Bud Dupree forced the fumble on Andy Dalton in the first half. T.J. Watt recovered it. That was when I said, why did I think the Bengals were going to win this game? Yes, uh, and and yeah, and and they, it was just relentless all night. And Peter in the second half, and Booger McFarland pointed this out. You're down 21 points, and th- there's no sense of urgency. There's no sense of fight in the Bengals. And you, and you can hide a lackluster performance in a cluster of 1 p.m. Eastern games on a Sunday, but when you're in prime time and the cameras are everywhere and they see the look on your face, and Andy Dalton just had that look of, I really don't want to be here anymore. It's, it's, that's a horrible look for the Bengals, and it suggests they're going to lose a lot more games this year. I mean, you know what I found myself thinking last night, Mike? I said to myself, if you're Tua Tagovailoa or if you're Justin Herbert, you have to be watching that game and say, oh, my God, please pick me first, Dolphins, because <laughs> you know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. The Bengals are going to have the second pick in the draft. And there's going to be an outcry, and I think justifiably so, to take Andy Dalton's successor. There's nothing wrong with Andy Dalton. 
to me, he's a nice 24th, 28th quarterback in the league. But it's like year after year, you go along with Andy Dalton. It's like what the Giants did with Eli Manning. Are you competitive? Yes. Do you win some games? Yes. Are you a championship team? No, you're not. And I realize they have no line and they don't have A.J. Green. And I don't want to be unfair to Andy Dalton. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to have the second pick in a quarterback-rich draft. And when they have that pick, there's likely to be two players. And who knows, maybe there will be other guys because every year it changes between October and April. So who knows? But all I'm saying is I hope for any kid's sake that he doesn't get sentenced to play at Cincinnati. So – Interesting stuff. Uh, again, Peter King has an interesting perspective on the Cincinnati Bengals because he was the beat, their beat writer in the in the eighties. Uh, saw some highs and lows with the team, and granted, he's always kind of seemingly had an axe to grind. I also don't like to use another, you know, news outlets or blogs interview on our show, but I thought it was really interesting, and it brings up. We've got a few minutes to talk about this before. Ed Smith uh, comes on the show here, but I think it's something that needs to be maybe in the back of everybody's mind, especially if you're the Bengals front office and you are stuck in your ways and you are dead set on, Hey, we're still, we we may take a new quarterback, but we're not going to be aggressive in outside free agency. We're going to draft the way we always draft that sort of thing. You may get into a situation, God forbid, where, where it's an Eli Manning, a John Elway, it's it, it happens very infrequently, but it happens. And if you remember, the Bengals had this happen to them in the 80s with a linebacker um, that ended up coming and, and coaching uh, under Marvin Lewis, ironically. But it's happened. It's happened to this franchise. It has happened to other teams because quarterbacks who think they can dictate the draft a bit don't like the direction of the team. And I guess what I'm where I'm getting at, John, is do you foresee this? It's still early. We don't know how the rest of the season's gonna play out. Do you foresee this being a potential issue with the Cincinnati Bengals in next year's draft if they go after one of these high quarterbacks? My my answer to that is what is enticing me to say no? Like what what evidence is there for me to say that this wouldn't happen? Because me as somebody who follows the Bengals would say Oh, I would love my team to draft a franchise quarterback, and I would I wouldn't think that there would be any problems luring him in and, and convincing him to be a part of this organization. But what really objectively is convincing me to say no there? Because I know that this organization is run like a small business and not like an actual NFL franchise. I know that their scouting department is the smallest in the NFL. I know they take pride with a lot of things that makes them different, but I also know that uh, that agent survey from about a month ago about where players and coaches don't want to go and how Cincinnati ended up at the top of that, that is real. That stigma, that perception, that's very real. And if, by all means, a, a, a franchise quarterback like Tua or Herbert feels it's in their best interest to not go to a place that they don't think can set them up for success, who am I to say that they're wrong for that? Because I, I'm seeing what I'm seeing right now, four years of them just not doing what needs to be done to, to build around the team that they have, like, what, what, who am I to say that, 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 that's a wrong assumption? I, I just don't, there's not enough evidence for me to say that that won't happen. I would like to think it won't happen, but there's not enough evidence to say that it won't. Correct. And I, uh, you know, I don't, 
that would be the ultimate slap in the face to the Bengals organization. You know, we there's been a lot of talk this week of fan boycott and you know, let's let's set, get a petition going and all that kind of stuff to make sure that the Bengals operate the the way that all other NFL franchises basically operate, field a competitive team. The one, the one thing that really kind of forces their hand are, are players wanting out uh, or, or not even wanting in on the on the front end. So that would be a very interesting situation. Again, a, it's a big what if. It's down the road. It could happen. It's probably pretty rare, but it could happen. And uh, some food for thought as we try and digest this 0-4 start and what happened to the Bengals in primetime on Monday Night Football. We're going to bring in a special guest in just one second, but you are listening to the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I'm Anthony Cazenza. He's John Sheeran. We are simultaneously streaming if you're watching us live on our YouTube channel as well as on the Facebook live video feed of Cincy Jungle. Wanted to also mention that those of you who tune into our podcast channel, who subscribe to our podcast channel, there are a number of different new shows along with our show a uh, number of different episodes that are coming at you basically every day of the week. Uh, so you've got our show that that's uh, on two or three times a week between the listener questions, our weekly show, and the post-game reaction. You have Orange is the New Black, the podcast from Ace Boogie and Zim Hude. You've got Matt Minich's, uh, or Matt Minix, excuse me, Chalk Talk, where he does some film review, which is pretty awesome, and, and he debuted that last week as well as Daddy-O McDucks and uh, Dr. Hoji Smoji, right? Um, mm-hmm. There, sorry if I spit when I speak podcast. So all of that is on our channel, on our audio channel. So subscribe, get all of those. In case you are wondering where you can get this show, I mentioned iTunes, I mentioned cincyjungle.com, but it's also on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, and on Google Play, as well as the Megaphone platform. So get the show how you can. And John, I am going to have you introduce our very special guest to preview week five. All right. So joining us now is the one and only Ed Smith, who is the host of the Believing Cardinals podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Ed was a former NFL player in the late, late 90s, most notably for the 1998 NFC Championship. Uh, ship uh, Atlanta Falcons. He also played overseas in the European Football League. So, Ed, how are you, man? I'm doing great. How you gentlemen doing today? We're hanging in there. We're hanging in there because you know our, our football team's not very good, and we're winless, kind of like the uh, the team that you you guys are covering over there in Arizona. Well, you know, I chimed in a couple minutes early, and I was listening to fellas, and I can feel your pain, man. It's uh, <laughs> it's a rough start to the season. And, you know, I guess at this point, yeah, at least we have a tie out here in Arizona. And you guys are 0-4, so I guess we, we can hang our hat on that at least. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're one ahead in the uh, draft order, which I think for most fans is, is, is good for the Bengals because we, we're, we're still looking for that quarterback. So, Ed, we're, we're, we're going to start, you know, by previewing the, the, this game right now. And speaking of the quarterback, Kyler Murray, I guess, is the story out, out of Arizona and in that new, uh, you know, spread offense that they have out there. They're leading – the NFL in you know um, ten personnel offense. I think sixty percent of their offensive plays right now are in ten personnel. What are your first impressions with with Clint, Cliff Kingsbury's offense out there? Well, you know they they held it a secret all through the preseason. You know they were un- they were going to unveil it on the NFL and basically be this high octane, uh, you know, multifaceted offense. And 
thus far, I'm still waiting to see what the what the big secret was all along because it's been pretty, uh, you know, as far as personnel groupings, obviously we're throwing a bunch of wide receivers out there, rarely using the tight end at all. And the running game, you know, I have a lot of problems with that. Everything's out of the pistol formation. I don't necessarily think we have the right, even right uh, running back for that. But so far, man, it's been, you know, I won't call it a bust yet, but as far as the excitement factor and what we're supposed to be, you know, seeing this te- up-tempo and, and high-paced and uh, all this different, uh, I guess, ingenuity, I'm still waiting to see it. We haven't seen it yet. And uh, it looks to me, it just looks like a college spread offense that's getting overmatched by NFL players to this point. Ed, it's Anthony Cazenza. Uh, welcome to the program. Great to have you on. Definitely remember you from the, the Dirty Bird days. Uh, <laughs> very, Yeah, very, uh, very fun team. Definitely remember that team, watching them, and uh, a lot of fun. Uh, very stoked to have you on. Um, you know, I guess you aside from, from the winless thing, there are a lot of parallels with these two teams, right? I mean, they, they got the young, unproven head coach, the offensive mind guy. Uh, I, I guess the Cardinals are a bit – more a bit ahead of the game because they got their their number one overall quarterback last year I, i'll go back to the coaching i mean what what's kind of the feeling with cliff kingsbury right now there's a lot of questions with the Bengals with zach taylor because they're winless the offense has been a, a roller coaster what are the feelings about cliff, uh, cliff kingsbury and and his future with the team what the offense has looked like is it kind of on the upswing or is it still tempered expectations Anthony, I wish you, I could tell you it's like on the upswing. Right now, it's a lot of holding your breath out here strictly because, you know, like I said, what we were promised right out of the box, we haven't gotten that yet. The other question I have is because of, you know, Cliff Kingsbury's background, you know, college coach, uh, unproven at that level as well. Didn't have a winning record in college, you know, signs with USC. They, the Cardinals rushed to go scoop him up, I guess, because he had a cup of coffee with uh, McVay out in Los Angeles. So, you know, we're expecting this big genius to come in. The one concern I've had from the very beginning is this is, I mean, this is the next level. You come from college, you come to the NFL. This is now I'm not just responsible for the offense as a coordinator. I'm the CEO of this organization. And thus far, I've been waiting to see him put his stamp on the offense, on the entire organization. I'm waiting to see what their, I guess, the uh, personality or, identity of this team and organization is going to be. And I dare say every now and then I get the impression he's a little overmatched and over his skis in terms of trying to manage everything, prepare everything. Uh, You know, I know, and I will say this as well, a lot of coaches around the league, they resent the young hotshots coming in and you're right off the bat, you know, well, we're going to show them. So, you know, they pretty much throw everything but the kitchen sink at that young rookie head coach. And that's what I've seen so far. Uh, you know, we're only a quarter of the way into the season, so it's not time to panic yet necessarily. But I need to see more progress on all fronts as far as the offense, as far as his control on the sidelines, as far as everything. So we're still waiting to see that from our head coach here in uh, Arizona. Ed, the first injury report came out today, and uh, wide receiver Christian Kirk was not practicing, and I believe – they said uh, uh, Kingsbury said that they don't expect Kirk to play. Kirk is leading the team in targets right now, but you, you guys still have Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson out there. Um, how, how are they? How are those guys doing in this new offense? And what, what would be the plan if you guys were, were to be without Kirk for this week? 
Well, you know, Larry is a consummate professional. I, you know, I, and, and some, I sometimes feel sorry for him, what he's gone through toward the latter part of his career out here in terms of the number of quarterbacks he's played with, the number of bad offenses. You guys got to remember, too, just last year we were going through the same drill with rookie head coach Wilkes and Rosen as our quarterback. Then you fast forward one year later and we're doing the same thing again with different pieces. But like I said, Larry is the, the, the anchor here in Arizona, you know, does everything with class. Uh, I know if you ask him, like if you got a couple cocktails in him, he might confide in you, man, I wish it was a little easier out here. Because he loves it here as far as the city, what he does, uh, what he means to the community. It's just so tough, man. You know, and as far as, you know, Christian Kirk being out, you know, they're just the, the, the young wide receiver group. Like I said, they're, I just said they're young and inexperienced minus uh, Larry. We, we brought Crabtree in here, which I thought was a huge mistake from the very beginning because we already had that veteran presence with Larry. Why bring Crabtree, Crabtree in here? And then you see, obviously, just that quickly, He's gone with no impact. So, you know, with, with Christian being out this week, if he is, it's going to be tough sledding, uh, especially on the road. I know you guys probably don't, uh, you know, after what you guys experienced uh, against Pittsburgh, you, know, you don't have a whole lot of confidence. But we might be ready to boost your confidence a little bit coming in there as that wounded dog, you know. So uh, we'll see how this one plays out. But like I said, somebody's got to win, I guess, unless we end up with another tie, right? Yeah, yeah. And – but. Bengals fans are used to ties, especially during the Martin <laughs> Lewis era. We experienced a few of those. That's that's. Yeah. We're, we're talking with Ed Smith, uh, former uh, member of the Super Bowl appearing Atlanta Falcons, the Dirty Birds in the late late nineties. Uh, glad to have him on. He is he runs the Cardinals Believe part podcast, part of the Believe Network. Um, I, I guess you know, like I said, there are a lot of parallels between these two teams, and and offensive line issues probably have to be uh, up there. One of the main knocks about the Cardinals, you know, they, you know, they got Rosen a, a couple of years ago and they, I, folks kind of thought, well, maybe the surrounding talent wasn't there, including on the offensive line. Instead of it going that route, they get Kyler Murray. What's the offensive line been looking like? Have they lived up to their end of the bargain or has Kyler Murray been able to mask some of these things because of his scrambling ability and maneuverability in the pocket? You know, it hasn't been a good fit so far. And as you bring up a couple great points, Anthony, the offensive line here has been probably one of the worst in recent history. Last year was un incredibly bad. This year they tried to make a couple of improvements, but, you know, they waited till later rounds to even address it. Obviously they went out, they got Kyler Murray first pick in the draft, but then they go get wide receiver and cornerback help and stuff like that. Didn't address the offensive line either in the draft or necessarily in free agency. Um, within this offense, I mean, Kyler has been both a blessing and a curse because he's a very mobile quarterback. So a lot of, and then I'll bring up this point. I know a lot of people don't like to talk about it. And I'm six foot four, so I'm not a, I'm not, you know, he's a short quarterback. Uh -huh. So they, so they have to do a lot of stuff with him on the move to create pot, you know, lines of sight for him. And then even when he scrambles, he's doing the same thing. The problem is the offensive linemen don't necessarily know where he's going to be probably 60, 70% of the time. So he's always on the move if it's a designed run or if he's scrambling. And, you know, it, it just makes it so tough on them. At the same time, they're not very athletic. Uh, I've been waiting, and I've talked to a lot of people recently. You know, they always ask me, well, what do you look for in an offensive line? And being a former tight end, you know, I used to work with those guys hand and foot. 
right. you, you want a little nasty in those guys. You want those guys, you know, you, these are dudes that, you know, as they play together and get to know each other, they're a nasty, just vile group. You know, you they, they and I was joking with one of my buddies. I did a podcast uh, yesterday. I told most of your linemen, the nasty ones, if your grandmother reached to get the last piece of chicken off the plate, see, they would smack the hell out of her because that's just the type of dudes they are. We don't have that here for one. And then, like I said, with the combination of the offense trying to figure itself out, they're throwing the ball probably 75, 80% of the time, which means they're in retreat mode, pass protecting rather, instead of being able to fire off the ball. So it's been a bad combination of everything. And I know they'll take a lot of blame. I think right now we're last in the NFL and sad. I think we've given up 20 so far, which puts uh, Kyler on the pace for somewhere near 80, I guess, or in that area. And some of those are on him, but a lot of them are on the offensive line. A lot of them are on the scheme itself um, that that we're running. And let's, let's, let's turn our attention to the defense here. I know a lot of people were interested with the number one overall pick and taking Nick Bosa because edge rusher opposite of, of Chandler Jones was an issue last year. But you guys did sign Terrell Suggs, and Suggs wasn't the only guy that you guys signed. Jordan Hicks was a guy that a lot of Bengals fans wanted to sign at linebacker. You guys put him in, in, in there as well. And you also drafted a guy, Byron Murphy, at the top of the second round at quarterback. What have, what have the new additions on the defensive side of the ball been like, and how is that unit progressing from last year? Well, you know, last year they were in a 4-3. Wilkes took them to a 4-3, which was a huge mistake. They've always been a 3-4 out here in Arizona. Uh, fortunately, we, you know, we got Vance Johnson. He's taking them back to that, uh, that uh, uh, formation. The problem is I think a lot of guys are still trying to figure their way through the scheme. You know, we've got Terrell on one side, Chandler uh, Jones on the other. So you got two great bookends over there. Uh, they're putting some pressure on quarterbacks. Minus, and here's the big factor for us out here, minus Patrick Peterson leading that secondary. We've got a young, inexperienced secondary. So which in, in my equation, that means you have to put even more pressure on the quarterback because if you let him sit back there, he's going to have way too much time to pick apart that young, inexperienced secondary back there. Another factor, man, tight ends, every tight end who's come to, who we played against this year, we've put in our vote to make them the uh, uh, NFC uh, Pro Bowl uh uh, representative because tight ends are just killing us this year, mm. and a lot you know they 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 just released released uh, DJ Swearinger, um, and part of the I guess report was he was a big problem in terms of helping them you know like back there covering the tight ends and everything. But we've had some issues like you know we you know sometimes we're stout against the run, sometimes we're not. Uh, sometimes we get beat on the back end of the defense, sometimes we hold up. You know it's been a mismatch just like the offensive side. We're still trying to find that identity once again and i'll throw the word out there trying to get that nasty out there too you know we got a lot of you know tackling was a big concern for me in the preseason we didn't want to tackle anybody it was like we were out there playing flood you know doing practice and you know teams were just running through us been a little better so far in the first four games we're still looking to shore up some of those holes uh get like a full group effort meaning getting pressure up front getting some coverage in the back creating more turnovers uh, we're kind of middle of the pack as far as doing that. We have been a little more successful in terms of going after the ball, creating some fumbles. But, you know, like I said, we're like I said, on all sides of the ball. We're still just trying to figure it out here and kind of identify what we really have. Man, mirrors reflection. Good Lord. <laughs> yeah. This, this is uh, <laughs> crazy. Um, you know, the, the, the trade deadline's coming up, and there's always kind of a fine line to walk with teams – that have little to no wins at that point 
in in the season? You know, are you buyers or are you sellers? So, you know, maybe for the Bengals standpoint, they may have some guys that since they didn't get their quarterback last year, maybe they want to sell some of their guys to get collect draft picks and move up around whatever. The Cardinals already have their quarterback, so maybe they want to get a piece to continue to build around Kyler Murray or what have you. If the Cardinals were to make it, well, first of all, do you think they'll make a move? And if they were, would they be buyers or would they be sellers, you think? You know, I'm not sure if they're in the market to do either. I think right now, especially because this is Cliff uh, Kingsbury's first year, he came in, took over the mess that was last year. They're still trying to sort things out to figure out exactly what they have. When he came in, obviously he's taken over pretty much a mess. He's trying to, you know, find out what he has. In terms of basically every position um, other than a couple are under review at this point. So you got to kind of figure out what you have, kind of go from there. My question would be, how much do we really have in Arizona that anybody would want to buy if we did, you know, if we put our stuff out? There's almost like a, you know, you're on the street and you drive by a garage sale. You can tell usually from the curb, it's like, eh, I don't think I even want to stop in there. Or, hey, I see a couple of nice pieces. I don't know whether we we have a whole bunch here that anybody would want. And as far as being a buyer at this point, I think the that's probably out of the question. I think the biggest thing for the Cardinals, they would want to keep what they have, assess it, you know, not get rid of too much, not pull much too much in because we all know this isn't going to be a winning year here in Arizona. You know, I'd be interested to, to you know, see what figure what you guys thought as far as what Cincinnati is doing, primarily because we have already and I think you might have either one of you might have mentioned it earlier, we are in the rebuild mode. Are they deciding what is time to do the same thing in Cincy? You know, you guys are in that, uh, you know, evaluation in terms of coming into the season, especially when like somebody like Ben gets hurt in Pittsburgh, and you know, you got the rookie, you know, second year quarterback in uh, Baltimore. You're still trying to figure out whether you still have a chance to compete. But you know, it could be one of those situations where you're in the same boat a year from now. Talking with Ed Smith of the Cardinals Believe podcast. Um, Ed, we're going to get you out of here with your prediction real quick, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about uh, a former Bengals player who was just inducted into the Cardinals Ring of Honor last week. And I, I bet if that game was uh, – this game was home against the Cardinals, it probably would have been against that. Carson Palmer was just inducted into the Ring of Honor. And I know he's a polarizing figure with Bengals fans himself. For me personally – I've always been on Carson Palmer's side of the whole debacle of how he left. Um, but what were your thoughts on him being inducted into the Ring of Honor, even as, as a player who only played there for about four years? And what are your thoughts on Carson Palmer in general? John, that's a great point to bring up because when they decided to put him in the Ring of Honor, I literally thought, wait a minute, I would have figured Cincinnati put him in before we put him in because he's only here a few years. I guess that shows how much you know they thought of him as a player, but I didn't see the longevity for them to open up the ring to talk. I think it's a great honor though, because he's a great dude and had a great career. So you know, I applaud the organization for doing it, and I know he was honored. I saw the induction uh, myself on the on the TV. So you know, I, I'm assuming one day you guys might do the same over there in Cincy, but I mean, he's revered. You know, in the same manner, I guess. I'm not sure. And let's, uh, yeah. Well, the Carson Palmer thing, we could we could do an entire episode on Carson Palmer. So, uh, and and who knows uh, exactly 
how that conversation would would fully go. But Ed, um, first of all, before before we well, let's get your prediction, and then let's hear about how people can hear from you, get in touch with you, all that good stuff. Man, you put me on the spot, and I know it's coming because we all have to make our picks. Uh, Chargers coming in as a three and a half point dog, and I still think I think I have to honor that. Um, you guys are going to get your first win. I'm looking at probably a semi sloppy game, uh, 20 16, let's call it. Bagels cover. <laughs> as far as being in touch, you know, like I said, I do the Believe in the Arizona Cardinals podcast every Saturday. I mean, every Wednesday, as long as far as every Saturday out here in uh, Phoenix. My partner, Devon Adams, he just saw pop in the back. We're actually going to do our podcast and look at here. But we do a radio show on NBC Sports Radio, 360 AM. Um, easy Sports Talk every Saturday from 10 to 12. And speaking of that, I would love to have you guys come on our show one of these Saturdays. So you know, we'd, love, we'd love to have you and come on. We'll football in general and especially you guys in the Bengals. Yeah, we that's that's awesome. We'd love to do that. We can we can uh, talk on the side and figure figure something out. We appreciate the invitation. We'd love to love to have you. It's been our pleasure having you on, Ed. Uh, I, I appreciate you making the time on uh, for our show. Um, you know, this is we we teased at the beginning. This is not really a matchup that is seen very often. So uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're glad when we can get a quality quality guy like yourself on our program. And uh, Arizona does have. I've got a little soft spot for it. my. My oldest niece just uh, started going to, to U of A, and okay. I've got an aunt and uncle uh, who live in Sun City right outside of, of Phoenix, Scottsdale-ish area there. So um, know the area well. I've been to that stadium. Um, so really cool area. So good to have you on. Just, you know, if if uh, the that invitation stands, we'd love to take you up on that. We can oh, absolutely. That. Yeah, and I'm actually I'm over in Peoria, which is only about 10 minutes or so from Sun City. So I might have passed some of your relatives on the street, man. There you go. There you go. Cool. Well, thanks for making the time, Ed. Appreciate it. Enjoy your week. All right. That was uh, Ed Smith, part of the Super Bowl appearing Atlanta Falcons, and now the head guy at uh, Cardinal, the, the Believe in Cardinals podcast, part of the Believe Podcast Network. If you remember, we had Eric Davis. Uh, former Super Bowl champion with the 49ers on our program a couple weeks ago. So a lot of former pro athletes that have turned podcasters coming on this program. And I got to thank, I guess it's this way, thank John Sheeran uh, for for setting both of those interviews up. Awesome, awesome. Uh, both those guys brought it and uh, a lot of fun. So appreciate it, John. Absolutely. And I only wanted to ask the Carson question because I knew we'd get the comments section riled up and I can see that definitely <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, we got we could have made the whole interview about that. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, so but that was yeah, good question and uh, a lot of good stuff there. It's interesting, you know. I I kind of thought that he would be more like, um, a, a bit more positive about the direction of things. But I guess when you're when you're winless and you've got a new coach, new quarterback, and you know you're you're a little antsy, you want to see a little bit more results than oh uh, three and one at this mm-hmm. point. Cardinals are sporting so interesting that he also picked the Bengals to win after a such a terrible showing by Cincinnati he he went with Vegas I can't really argue with that yeah yeah I guess he did we'll see this episode is brought to you by Shopify whether you're selling a little or a lot 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Uh, this is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. He's John Sheeran. I'm Anthony Cazenza. We appreciate you joining us, whether it's on the Cincy Jungle Facebook live feed or on our YouTube channel. We appreciate uh, you joining us. And you can get this program on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on Google Play, on Megaphone. I mentioned YouTube, and then all of our stuff is on cincyjungle.com. We will be doing a listener questions show, standalone show on Friday. So join us for that. And if we end up going on Ed's show, uh, probably you would do that, John, since you've created the relationship there. Um, if one of us or both of us go on that show, we will uh, definitely get you the links and information on that. That would be a lot of fun to do that too. So uh, appreciate Ed coming on and um, talking some Cardinals with us. Do you have a prediction for that one, John? I don't I I really have no idea because I, I know for as bad as the Bengals are, the Cardinals are equally worse. My th- my whole thing is like equally worse. I love it. Like, I don't know, man. Like Kyler Murray just scares the crap out of me for what they can do with him against the Bengals. I'm just not sure they they will do that. If they have a brain and they know what this defense is capable of, of in terms of being a complete crap show, Kyler Murray can run all over this defense if they do this right. And I think a lot of people are forgetting that David Johnson's still there and he's not having that good of a year as a runner, but I think they're implementing him more in the passing game. So he can do some damage too. Like they have a lot of people injured. I, I know Kirk is just one of them. Like some guys on the, on the, def- on, on defense, they're also uh, out of practice right now. Like they have the potential to win this game by one or two scores. But at the end of the day, like, you know, if they're still having a lot of shortcomings in terms of scheme and, play calling like the Bengals are this game could be a lot closer than we think and I guess that's what the uh three-point spread is reflecting and also it's a home game for the Bengals and you have to wonder based off you know how they looked on Monday how much how much of a home field advantage they're really going to have like are we are we about to see the effect of what we saw at the end of last year in terms of just that stadium being desolate and empty already in the first week of October I don't know if it's gonna be that bad but I think this game is going to be close because two inept teams are not going to be able to get over themselves. Yeah. Uh, I, I think to your point about Kyler Murray, this, this team, whether it's Marvin Lewis, whether it was in his early years, when the Mike Zimmer days were around, this team has always had issues with mobile quarterbacks. Always. Um, I mean, there are very few exceptions like a Johnny Manziel or something like that, but um, almost always this team struggles against a Deshaun Watson. Uh, you can go all the way back to Cordell Stewart if you want. This team has always struggled against mobile quarterbacks, especially ones they have not seen before. So that is something to to you know look at when you look at this, this matchup. I think if the Bengals do win, it'll be one of those frustrating things where – you know, Kyler Murray makes a lot of plays with his legs, avoids a lot of tackles, and and uh, it, it would be win ugly, I guess, um, if that were to take place. So um, I don't know. Speaking of wins and what that would mean for the Bengals going forward, let's talk some news and notes and the impact of uh, as to what that means for the Bengals in 2019, 2020, and beyond. Some some interesting news to begin the week. Um, it started with Andre Smith, the guy who is relieving 
Cordy Glenn, and who, by the way, never played left tackle in the NFL, never started at left tackle really until this year. He's always been a right tackle. And oddly enough, the Bengals think he's a starting left tackle at the end of his career. Regardless, he got abused as well as Bobby Hart last week. He hasn't had an arm injury. We're not quite sure how severe that one is. So uh, his status is kind of up in the air. The Bengals were still dealing with Carl Lawson having a hamstring injury. Uh, we'll see what, what his return, when his return is. And unfortunately, it came out today, speaking of offensive line, and that not really looking to get better anytime soon. Cordy Glenn is still dealing with the concussion issue. He They've already announced he will not play this week after doing some things last week. Is it time for him to just – is it our IR time for him? It, I, I are permanently, maybe. I are permanently, maybe. I just, that's, that's, that's a situation I just would not want to be in. And like, I don't know, man. Like, that, uh, like he was limited last week, I guess, doing like some work with his helmet on. And I guess he experienced some type of setback in almost two months now since the first concussion. And like, you have to be thinking long term at this point. And we've talked about this before, but definitely I would think that honor should be on the table right now. Yeah, it's not looking good for him. Um, not looking good for him at all. Uh, and, uh, you know, you got to feel pretty bad for him that this concussion situation is just lingering and lingering. It's just um, not good there. Uh, speaking of the walking wounded, John, uh, John Ross took it. You know, I, it was a big hit. He kind of got slammed to the turf, but. You know, he's a little guy. He's had injury issues in the past. All of a sudden, this is kind of a somewhat major shoulder injury. Um, they haven't really, I don't think, as of Wednesday, classified what it is, whether it's a broken collarbone or whatever they said it's not. They did classify it, um, and I'm, I'm prepared, to, prepared to try to pronounce it on, on live YouTube. On live YouTube. Okay. Sterno, sternoclavicular, I think. Sternoclavicular. Oh, okay. Same one that uh, Douglas Denard suffered last year against the Steelers. They kept him out for about two months, I think. Two months. Yeah. Yeah. So he's now on IR, maybe scheduled to return, depending on, you know, there's a couple of guys on there now Darius Phillips, John Ross, maybe even Jonah Williams that they could designate to return if things go well. Probably Darius Phillips is, I would assume, it sounded like the, the most likely, but who knows at this point. But now, it also appears that A.J. Green is not going to play this week. John Ross is out. He's been the most frustrating and the most explosive weapon the Bengals have had and from a pass-catching standpoint. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, were you surprised that this was this serious? I mean, at, at this point, <laughs> every scouting report that they do for like, college players is to be like, okay, how strong are their shoulders? Because now this is – John Ross missing with a torn labrum his rookie year. Jonah Williams with, a, I believe, another labrum issue. Sterno, now, yeah, sternoclavicular injury for Ross. Last year with Dennard. Like, this is just the story of Ross, man. Like, he's just not durable at all. And I think you could only be, would have expected eight to 12 games with him this year, you know, based on the first two years. And now, eight games is looking like the most that he's going to play if he even comes back. So, it's unfortunate, and I was glad that he was productive in the game he did play, but until you can prove that you're going to be durable, you're just not going to be that much of an athlete in the NFL. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of wanted to turn this a little bit into, you know, do you think that these moves and whatnot, do you think that that is pointing to the team potentially tanking, um, just kind of stashing guys on IR and moving guys up and it's now turned into a 2019 as an evaluation year to see who we have, who's sticking around in 2020, who's not maybe wins aren't really at a premium after an own four start and they need to reevaluate everything. Um, you know, I, I, the team would never tell you that it still maddens me that, Hey, if we're healthy, we can win. If we're healthy, we can win. And yet here we are and nobody's healthy. Nobody can't stay no important players are healthy. No, like, and, and even if they were healthy, like this would be like a name rate team probably based off the coaching and based off of what the talent is there now. But like, at this point, it's all about evaluation, man. It's all about evaluating the players who are healthy, who are out there to see, are they going to be a part of this long term? Because it's, it's, it's just a thinking process of, of realization. It took a lot of people a long time to realize that, hey, this team's not very good. And for some teams, it's easy to become good after not being good. But for something like the Bengals, it's not going to happen overnight. So the next realization after them not being good is they're not going to be good for a little bit, maybe like two or three years. I think two years was the, t- the timeline starting this year if they do enough things for this offseason. And unfortunately, they didn't do enough things this offseason. They didn't really solve offensive line. They didn't really solve linebacker. They didn't actually draft a real quarterback. So now they have to do all these other things to basically start the rebuild. And it all starts with, okay, what is what talent is worth keeping around right now? And you can only evaluate what you have out there. And unfortunately, they just need to construct a roster that is capable of withstanding the hits that they always take because you just cannot trust this team to stay healthy. Yeah. Uh, and, and <clears throat> I mean, that goes back to, again, the scouting portion, the medical staff portion. If you're going to rely on that kind of stuff, you got to beef up those staffs as much as possible. So not a good look in terms of the injury front for the Bengals as they head into this one. So if they're going to win this game, it's going to be with a cast of characters that are reserves or new faces or both. So, uh, you know, not uh not not looking good um you know some people are kind of promoting this one question in our live youtube chat basically if uh it was from subdued base if the losing continues any any chance anybody gets fired if if so i think it's someone on the lower lower assistant rankings like a like a jim turner or somebody like that i don't think i would sanction that Sanction that. Yeah, some people, yeah, some people on this podcast didn't, didn't support Jim Turner from the get-go, and people got blamed for that. But he's never been a good offensive line coach, despite what some people have said. But and that's exactly what, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I know. Uh, that that's really the only thing I could. I mean, I think I think the Bengals are going to let stuff ride as it is right now. Um, it, they probably deep down, even though they don't want to t- say anything or, or talk about it, they probably were saying, you know, this is an evaluation year. We've got to give Ty- uh, Zach Taylor some time to, you know, make this roster in his image and, and get guys that are Taylor guys. But um, right now it's, it's the product on the field, even with similar injuries, the product on the field right now is, seems a lot worse than what we saw at the end of last year. 
Um, there, there, there are some steps being taken backwards, especially this last week, um, you know, week two and week four, especially so, and maybe this is just what you expect from this team. You know, it's maybe you get the, the close game and then you get blown out and maybe you get a win here and there and then you get blown out. Maybe that's the ebbs and flows that comes with this inexperienced staff and the injuries. Like they're just, they're just not good. They're just not good yet. And they're not going to be good for a little while unless they drastically change how they build a roster. And expecting a rookie head coach to come in and completely make everything okay, make a bad roster good, and turn out more wins than last year, it was always unrealistic. And the only reason why I thought they would win one more game last year was I thought they would be healthier. I thought they would be luckier in close games. The rest usually happens to most teams, but most teams, but. There are some teams who just stay in the basement for a long time because they just don't do enough things. And right now, that's what the Bengals are. They're a losing franchise. They have been for the past four years, and that doesn't change until drastic change happens. We started with overhauling the coaching staff. Now it's on the roster. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this roster needs a lot. I mean, someone's someone's accusing us of. Uh, well, I, I don't know if it's an accusation. It's someone saying a level when Cincy Jungle tries to polish the turd that is the Bengals. Well, I mean. We, we can we can write and podcast about just you know how terrible everybody is and all of that if you want to want us to talk about that for an hour we can do that um, I feel like we actually have kind of done that a little bit <laughs> a little bit today but um, you know it's not the team's not in a good state it's not in a good state and I don't know how much you, you can expect it to improve based on some of the um, the operating modes that this team engages in. They got to make some changes. They have to make some changes. Otherwise this, they're not setting up their coaches. They're, they're inexperienced coaches and their quarterback that they seemingly love. They're not setting them up to, to be successful. I do want to give one quick shout out before we get out of here, John, uh, Robert Lacey jr. Is in the live YouTube chat. He has either called us after the show was done, uh, conclude, uh, concluded recording or he just called us a little bit ago, I think, when we were talking with Ed Smith, so we were unable to talk to him. But he leaves very insightful voice messages. He gets in touch with the show, and he does watch the program. So I just wanted to give a little acknowledgement specifically to Robert. Um, he's very complimentary and and very insightful as a Bengals fan, but he's also very fed up. That is very apparent on his voicemail. So, Robert, I just wanted to say hello to you specifically, and I apologize we keep uh, missing you, but we'll get you on one of our shows here in, in the future when we can properly connect things. Any final thoughts from you, John, as we uh, close up shop here? Yeah, actually, um, yeah, I'm going to rename uh, Andal to Andy Dahl. And if he has to play another game, I'll have from the center. This is, this is Andy Dahl, another game on the offensive line. Yeah, I, the, uh, the, the mouth actually is – it's almost like an Andy Dalton face that we saw on Monday Night Football, both in frustration and shock and I don't know. Uh, oh, no, it's Bobby Hart getting beat again. <laughs> oh, if only Randall knew he would be uh, such a such a mascot. Unfortunately, those of you on the Facebook Live aren't, aren't getting John's video feed. You have, to, you have to go to YouTube for that one. But um, – you got You got to check out what we're talking about with Randall. It's it's a somewhat inside joke, somewhat inside joke. So you have to check it out. Um, appreciate it, John. Appreciate it, Randall. I guess Randall's taking over for John for for the next uh, couple of seconds here. As I've mentioned, you can get this show on CincyJungle.com. All of the content, news, opinions, analysis, injury news, all that stuff. 
is on cincyjungle.com. You can get this show on our YouTube channel, so subscribe there. And you can get it basically anywhere you get your podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Megaphone. And you can get many other now different podcasts that are on our channel, our podcast channel. So check those out. A lot of good stuff coming and uh, really get you, getting you a lot of stuff throughout the week. So uh, check that out. And our thanks once again to Ed Smith of the Believe in Cardinals Podcast Network. Um, very cool interview and insightful. Uh, hopefully both these teams start to find an upswing. Hopefully, depending on how you're looking at the Bengals right now, I don't know. Hopefully the Bengals find their upswing this week. For some of you, some of you want to see them continue on the downslide. We'll see. But interesting game nonetheless coming coming down the pike this week, even though it probably won't move the national needle all that much. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thanks for joining us live, submitting us questions, comments. Join us Friday afternoon, Friday evening, depending on your time zone, to uh, talk talk some more Bengals. We will be fielding your questions, both ones we, we saw tonight that we weren't able to get to, as well as ones that you have sent to us or continue to send to us throughout the week. We apologize. We didn't get to calls this week uh, on this week's weekly episode, but we will do that later this week. So please join us. Thanks guys. Appreciate it.